Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. This is a brand new show called The Tuesday Crew. I'm your host, Stephen McCutcheon, uh, and I'm delighted to be joined tonight by Gav, Mark and Willie. Uh, so I'll go to you, Gav, first. How are you doing tonight and how excited are you to be on this pod? Doing well and very excited. Can't wait to get chatting. And Mark, yourself, how's it going tonight? Yeah, uh, yeah it's going good. Uh, yeah. Uh, weekend was pretty good, enjoyed the game, uh, played a bit of football last night, dusted off the old Copas, had the game of football last night, so yeah, looking forward to the night too. All right, Willie, um, we know you're over there in New Zealand, so obviously all our best wishes are, are, are with you guys over there and, and doing it tough after the, the recent weather event, so hope you're all doing all yeah. right and, um, and, you're, and you're getting by and you're very welcome on here, hopefully to provide you a little bit of relief. Yeah, thanks for that. And then, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a tough couple of weeks over here. So, yeah, things are starting to get slowly back to normal, if you can call it that. But we'll just got to take it one day at a time, as it say. But I'm looking forward to the show. I'm looking forward to see what this Tuesday crew can sort of throw out there for the rest of the, and along with the rest of the guys, because they're creating good content. Hopefully, we can sort of marry up with that. And, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah, so the intention of this show um, is to to do a few more kind of feature type um, feature type segments, to rather than just focus on things that have already been covered on on the other podcasts, particularly the weekend review, uh, which is on a Monday, which goes into real detail uh, on the weekend match. Uh, and if you haven't listened to that one already, uh, make sure you do. Once we're finished, go and um, go and have a listen to the, the one the guys recorded yesterday because it's absolutely excellent. Uh, but what we're going to do to start with, we're going to we're going to talk a bit about our Celtic origin stories, uh, and all of us are going to are going to speak a bit about how we fell in love with the club, uh, and how we started supporting Celtic and, and and our early memories of it. So I'll, I'll ask you to start us off, Gav, uh, if you could just tell us a bit about how you how you started supporting Celtic, where your love for the club came from. Okay, well, I'm from Belfast in Northern Ireland, just across the water from Scotland. And uh, I haven't lived there since I was 18, which was over 30 years ago. Uh, in fact, I'm in Malaysia currently, in Borneo. And I've lived in Borneo longer than I ever did in Belfast. But, you know, if you come from Belfast and you're a football fan, there goes one of my lights. One of my, uh, if you come from Belfast and you're a football fan, you know, Celtic or Rangers is never that far away, so... You know, they were always there. And uh, to be fair, my interest in football generally and in Celtic in particular has kind of varied over the years, kind of come and gone a bit. Martin O'Neill era was of interest because he went to my school for one reason. And we've had a few managers from my part of the world, you know, Neil Lennon and the much adored Brendan Rogers. But uh, to be honest, in the last few years, I've kind of gone off football a fair bit. wasn't really watching it that much until a friend of mine here in Malaysia, Scott Olorenshaw, who's a former soccerer, uh, he started telling me all about Ange Postacoglu, who's in line for the Celtic job and what we could expect from him. And the way he talked, you know, just got me so excited about it and got me really back into following Celtic properly. So that's kind of my story. And, like, there's nothing better than watching fast-paced, attacking football. And this Celtic team, to me, is a thing of absolute beauty. 
So, so what would be what would be your earliest memory of watching the club then? What what would be like sort of the first match you can remember seeing? Well, I suppose when I was a teenager and I started, you know, being aware of Celtic, you know, there was the likes of, um, I mean, Paul McStay was running the show, really. Mm. I suppose. Yep. A um, resident of Sydney now, Paul McStay. Yeah. Mm. And uh, you know that was a period where there wasn't all that much success, to be honest. You know, yeah. a player of his stature, you would have thought, would have been able to scoop up far more trophies than he ever did. But, uh, yeah, like I say, I left home when I was 18 and, and like, I left that part of the world, you know, when I was still in my 20s. So I've sort of come and gone. Like I say, I haven't had that much chance to be following Celtic very closely. Like, there's certain periods I didn't really pay that much attention to, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but it's great to be back. And how do you find watching the games up there in Borneo? I take it there's there's not a local CSC there for you to, to bowl up to on a Saturday? No, I think I'm the local CSC. There's one other Celtic fan here who's a Scottish golf pro and he's just left. So mm-hmm. I think it's down to one. Unless I open my own pub, you know, and stream the games, which I, yes. <laughs> isn't beyond the realm's possibility. Yeah, it seems like a good business opportunity there. Um, so yeah, all right. Thanks for that, Gav. Um, I'll go to you, Mark. Now um, you could tell us a bit about yourself and how you started watching Celtic. Uh, I'm originally from Paisley. Uh, been a Celtic fan all my life. Uh, I think you can inherit being a Celtic fan where I'm from, with the family. If your dad, your uncles, your cousins are Celtic fans, it's just natural that's passed down to you. Uh, yeah, so I went, started going to games pretty early on. Uh, a bit started going when I was three. Uh, never went to too many games when I was young. Started going around about when I was ten. After that, so I was going home and away up until maybe two thousand three, two thousand four. Just started going to home games because I went back and played football. But yeah, uh, it's it's just always part of you. You know, it's something that mm. you look forward to the Saturday or the Wednesday night game and. Used to look forward to going up on the bus or the characters on the bus and going to the game, the atmosphere, and you, that mm. kind of that excitement starts at a young age. Mm. And so, what, who would be your earliest heroes in a Celtic strip then? Well, it's the same as Gab. It's had to be my generation, Paul McStay. He was mm. by far the best player on the park for us. Uh, I think we were lucky to keep him for so long, and it was unfortunate that he never got the trophies. I think. His ability deserved, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, also, had uh, Paul Elliott was a favourite of mine. He never played, only played a couple of seasons, but he was he was pretty he was he was class, you know. Uh, moving forward, then you've got the uh, cadet coming through. You've got Decanio, uh, Van Hoydonk, all these kind of. That was when Celtic started probably playing really good football. A lot of flair players started coming in. Uh, but yeah, but I think the football we're playing just now, today, is the best we've played uh, and since I remember anyway. Yeah, through those years in the 1990s where there wasn't a lot of success going, um, it was still a lot of fun to go to the games. And I still maintain travelling to away games at that time was um, was a lot better than it, than, it, than it was after when the success followed. Um, it was always easier to get tickets. Um, it was yep. just, you know, just a lot of fun, even though, you know, you, you weren't, Winning that much stuff, it, it was it was a good time to be following the club, um, and it was maybe 
um, good to get those bad years out of the way um, to, to pave us for the, the successful years to follow. Yep, definitely. Back then as well, terracing used to be fun as well. Before everyone was sitting down, uh, away games, going to Dens Park and places like that, and you'd be in the terracing. I think it just kind of added to the atmosphere back then. I know uh, we've got safe standing now. It was just come back and it's probably added to the atmosphere at Celtic. But in the late 90s, when I was when I was going to games, I used to love being in the terrace and I'd prefer to be in the terrace and then sitting down, you know. Yeah, I, I laugh when I hear them talking about safe, safe standing when you think about some of the places where we stood. Um, <laughs> thinking particularly of the, the terrace in at Tanadice. Remember that big mad steep? Terracing along yeah. the side of the pitch at Tanadice, if you if you took one step yeah. forward, you fell about five meters. Is it? Did they replace that with uh, benches? Is that up where they replaced? Because there's like benches that look like they sh- they've taken them out of a chapel at one end. But that's <laughs> that's been a while since it's been Tanadice now. But yeah, that, they might have replaced that with that. Yeah, and no, I think they, I think they knocked that down and rebuilt it with a stand. Um, it was, uh, but it was a good, it was a good day out in Dundee. Um, White's Bar was the name of the pub you always used to go to just up the road from Dens and Tanadice and it was great crack um, so I'll move around to you Willie um, what's your sort of memories of Celtic growing up and, and how did you get into the club well I'm I'm from the Highlands of Scotland so like right up near Wick between Wick and Tain so right up on that north coast so didn't really get to a lot of games when I was younger but the reason I'm into Celtic is because of like family, we'll be honest from the outset here. Most of my family are Rangers supporters, like, and I'm I'm a Celtic man. My uncle's a Celtic man, and my nephew's a Celtic man. And it was kind of like my dad and my uncle playing each other off when I was a wee kid. Well, he's going to be a Celtic fan, he'll be a Rangers fan. And sat there one day and had a conversation with another kid the same age as me, a guy called Callum. He convinced me Celtic was a team. So from there on in, I've just been following Celtic. Right. So at earliest memory, I can sort of. I vaguely remember the sort of centenary double, the Machiavelli scoring in the final, and by seeing the old Hamden with the stand, it was all like you say terraces and just the sea of green and white there when they did the double and that. Like, I was sort of really sort of remember that. Um, yeah, just loved watching Celtic the whole time growing up, watching them on the TV just whenever I could. Sit with my uncle, sit watch the games with him the whole time. Like. Just love everything about it, like you know. What I mean? Sort of heroes. You talk about heroes. That, that'd be Paul McStay as well. The same as everyone else. I think we're all sort of similar age group here, right? So we all sort of grew up watching Paul McStay. John Collins is another fantastic player too. So, but then you move into the Tommy Burns era, and you just sort of see how things have progressed from the dark days of when Rangers started doing their nine in a row to us started getting better and better and better and better and now you look at us now we're the dominant force in Scotland and it's just a joy to watch like you know yeah the Centenary Cup final was a was a great day that was one of the you know one of my highlights uh, of my Celtic support in life it was just brilliant nice really nice sunny day very hot weather went a goal behind to Dundee United and then scored two late goals in typical Celtic fashion um, and then the, the late, great Tommy Burns, you know, saying, when asked what it was all about, pointing the camera towards the Celtic fans and saying, that's what it's all about. They're there and they're always there. So probably one of Tommy's uh, greatest quotes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was a great time. Yeah, it was. Uh, even Tommy Burns as a player, I watch him. I mean, he was just, 
he lived and breathed Celtic, didn't he? Like, you know what I mean? It's every he just gave a hundred percent every time he was on that pitch. Players like Peter Grant as well, you know what I mean? They just they knew what it was all about. They just like I say, they lived and breathed Celtic, like, and it's just great to see us in a position now where we're winning the whole time, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's great. Um, so yeah, so thanks for that, Willie. Um, so no. maybe talk about my own story a bit. Oh, sorry, do you have something else you want to say? No, no, no. I was just saying, yeah. yeah. Okay, all good. Um, so I'm going to take a wild stab at the dark. Say I'm maybe a little bit older than you guys, because <laughs> um, my I was um, I started watching Celtic home and away during the sort of early eighties. Uh, I've got some memory of being at games in the late seventies, uh, but the first game that I can really have vivid memory of being at was the 1980 European Cup quarter-final against Real Madrid um, at Celtic Park where we had um, 67,000 fans in a full house um, and to think you know that was a, a European Cup quarter-final um, and the last it was the last time we really reached the, the latter stages of that tournament and it was so long ago but it was just an incredible night um, goals from George McCluskey and Johnny Doyle gives a 2-0 a 2-0 victory and I just fell in love with, with, with Celtic Park under the lights that night. Um, I don't think there's anything like it on a European night. Um, and I just vividly remember the crowd. And look, I was only 11 years old, so and I was right down the front of the Celtic end. So if you've ever been right down the front of the Celtic end in the old Celtic Park, you'll know that you don't see that much, to be honest. Uh, but I remember the goals going in. I remember the atmosphere. Uh, unfortunately, we lost the, the away leg in the Bernabeu 3-0. Um, and, went, and went out, but we had a Josh McCluskey missed a sitter in the first few minutes, and we had a a goal disallowed for offside uh, from Bobby Lennox, which would have that would have took us through. Um, so that was disappointing, but you know the home tie was something that will live live long in my memory. And I was supporting. I got my first season ticket for Celtic round about the mid eighties, so eighty four, eighty five sort of time. Um, the centenary year, as you said, Willie was a great time to support the club. But it was really the precursor to a lot of barren years. Um, and it was really quite bad. All through my 20s was, was was in the 90s. And, you know, although, as I said, it was good fun watching the team. It was the, the teams and some dreadful teams were put on the park. And the first clear glimmer of hope we had was uh, when Vim Janssen arrived. Um, and and took, we stopped at 10 that year. But I think my favourite time, uh, the whole of my time watching Celtic was the Martin O'Neill years. Uh, for someone in my year who's lived through the 90s, it was really the first sign that we could dominate Rangers consistently. Uh, and as Chris Sutton said, we, we, we put them in their place. Uh, my favourite game from the Martin O'Neill era was probably not not the demolition derby, which a lot of people say, the 6-2 game, uh, but the, the game at Ibrooks later on that season where we beat them 3-0. Uh, we'd already clinched the league and went to Ibrooks about two weeks later. Uh, 1-3-0, two goals from Moravchik and one from Larson. And I think people don't really remember that we never won at Ibrox at that time. We hadn't won there for about four or five years. Um, and we won there that day, really rubbed it into them. And um, that, to me, was the start of the domination, which has really continued to, to the present day, bar a few, a few, a few small periods of Rangers' success. Um, so we've been the dominant force since since the year 2000 and I mean that's quite clear when you look at the amount of titles that have been won Yeah so you boys have all been season ticket holders for various years down the years have you? I was, yeah I was a season I was, ticket holder I was, 
Yeah, yeah I was a season oh, ticket holder right up to when I came to um, I came to Australia in two thousand and seven. Um, so I had a season ticket right up at that time. In fact, one of the last games I watched before I left Scotland was um, the the Celtic won Man United nil when Nakamura scored the free kick. So that's another one that will live long in the memory. If uh, I mean a great atmosphere that night. And um, so yeah, I had a season ticket. Uh, moved here now to Sydney. Been here sixteen years, and now it's a it's a long distance relationship. Yeah, you see, yeah. there's a lot of uh, expertise among the people in Celtic down under that you know I can't go toe to toe with. I've never lived in Scotland, never been a season ticket holder, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of an observer from afar, really. Uh, but I think that's going to be true of a lot of subscribers to Celtic down under. There's mm-hmm. fans that are old school and then there's people who've just come across Celtic very recently, you know, they're they're new to it because of Ange and all of that. So you know, yeah, I think that, it's handy, that's right. it's handy it's... enough to have the odd voice that isn't entirely uh, as historically steeped in the club as you guys. Yeah, well especially with Ange being here now, um and find we find well I certainly find living in Australia, the profile of Celtic here has never been higher. Um, people are getting into the club who, like yourself, Gav, maybe don't have a, a long history supporting the team. So you're not alone in that respect. Um, yeah. So how have you found it, Mark, up the Sunshine Coast? Have you found there's a lot more people talking about Celtic here since Ange arrived? Mark? Sorry, I think my link was going there. Yeah, so we've actually, not, we've got a small... Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you, yep. mate. Oh, good. So we've got a... Sorry, it just kind of glitched. Uh, we've got a small supporters club up here. Uh, we only meet maybe four or six times a year. It's hard to get the live games, but we've actually got a good group of people. Uh, we get between 15 and 25 in for games. It's just just your luck. But we have noticed in the last few games, we've actually got Ange Postacoglu fans that come in. So they've followed his career. Uh, so there's a bit of that going on. Uh, but yeah, so... A lot of good guys up here, and it's grown, and it's certainly grown, grown since since Sydney. And then we were maybe talking about it more, and we're saying, "Oh, we're going down." There was guys that we've never known from Sunshine Coast that have joined us, and now and now they're mates. And we we're, we're, we're trying to be a bit more sociable. We don't we're trying to just meet meet up every so often, not just for a Celtic game, you know, and just uh, it's a bit more socialising in the in the Sunshine Coast. But I notice at my work as well. I wear my I wear my Celtic jersey now and again, and. Uh, guys have come up to me as soon as Ange came up, came across the. That's all they talk about. Or they come up to me and say, "Oh, Celtic were on the news last night." Or I seen the Celtic goals, and there's definitely the profile of Celtic in Australia now. Just now is is pretty high, you know. Yeah, and I think um, I think the the tour that, that you were talking about there, Mark, down down here in Sydney, really helped. Um, I was really there's been three visits to Celtic since I moved here to Australia, and this is by far the the best organised. Um, the best sort of accompanying fan events that came with it, and it was the, the best attended by people from all over. So I think that really did help raise the profile, in it, and it was really excellent. Um, so what about you, Willie, over there in New Zealand? Um, have you seen a, a sort of increase in Celtic's profile there since Ange arrived? Um, it's hard to say because where I live in Hawke's Bay, there's, there's, there's very little Celtic supporters. I think there's about five in total. But I, I know three of, and there's another two that I've not actually met yet. But there is like Christchurch has a supporters club, and Auckland has a supporters club, and the, you see an increase in the number of people on the Facebook pages and that. And that. But 
it's hard to say with New Zealand because New Zealand's main sport is rugby, like and everyone here is an egg chaser. So like that's the reason I sort of fell into podcasts is because there's just nobody to talk football with, you know what I mean? And listening to the podcast now is my way to sort of catch up on what other people are thinking and what other people's sort of notions are, ideas, and you try and sort of form your own opinions, balancing off what other people are saying or not. And it's difficult here. Like I worked in a lot of the industry. I'm an electrician, so I worked in a lot of industries. You were never more than five minutes away from a conversation about Celtic when you're working like on an oil rig or something like that. Whereas here, it's just far and few between, so it's hard to say, really, Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've got a couple of comments there um, from Northampton Tim saying morning, afternoon, evening all, uh, which just about sums it up, I think. Um, so we're all, we're all in different time zones, so good morning uh-huh. you, mate. <laughs> uh, one from Eddie there, 100% he's became a massive fan of Celtic because of Ange, so welcome to the Celtic family, Eddie, and I hope you're still a fan of Celtic when Ange moves on, but yeah, we'll see how that goes, um, might talk about that a bit more later on. Um, so yeah, so thanks thanks for that, guys, so that gives us a little bit of background of who we all, who we all are um, and how we came to support the club. So uh, we might move on a bit and talk a little bit about the game on the weekend. As I said earlier, we won't go into as much detail as the weekend review did yesterday. Um, but we'll we'll get you guys' general thoughts on the game. So it was Celtic for Aberdeen now. Uh, two goals from Rio Hitati, one from Cal McGregor and uh, a goal from Lila Bada. Um, all round, in my view, a very good performance, um, although Aberdeen probably one of the poorest Aberdeens I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, probably should have put the game to bed before half-time, but uh, quite a few missed chances um, and probably not as clinical as we should have been in front of goal. Rio Hitati, uh, absolutely excellent. Definitely the best midfielder in the country just now. Um, and I don't think it's even close at the moment. Um, and really, as Angie's been alluding to, Recently, the, the 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 sky is the ceiling for this guy. He can he can go as high as he wants to in the game. So um, so Marco, we'll start with you. What what was your overall thoughts in the game and and what jumped out at you? Yeah, well, I think you you've already touched on it. The Aberdeen team is very poor. Uh, it's it's quite clear that they're going through a bad run of form. Uh, managers. Uh, Obviously, uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so obviously, managerless. Uh, but they seem to set up all right. But we just seem to find space all over. They were like really, really sluggish. Uh, we could open them up really well. Uh, it could have been so much more at half time uh, if we took our chances. I think the keeper made some really, really fine saves. I think we had about ten shots in target, uh, nine off target. Yeah, it could have been so much more. It was a, yeah, it was a good game to see Owen as well. That it, uh, just he'll need to still find his feet, I reckon. Uh, but you could see there was a, bits and pieces in there. Where he's just trying to figure out how we play as well and try to fit yourself into how we play. Uh, but yeah, Hatati was excellent, and I, was, I like Johnson every time I see him. Yeah, I think I think you're right about O. It was good to see him starting the match. I was actually quite surprised. Um, I wasn't I wasn't sure that Ange would do, would throw him in to, to a starting spot so soon as his early career. But he certainly did well first half. He was so did his physical attributes a lot. So he was quite happy to put himself around a bit. 
he definitely looks like more of a, a physical, a traditional centre forward than, than Kyogo does. So it gives us another option in there. Um, and for sure, he tired second half, uh, but I think that's to be expected, uh, given that he hasn't been at the club for long. So I think there's more to come uh, from from O for sure. And but I think he's he's shown enough early on that it'd be a good a good alternative to Kyogo if that's what we need. Um, so Gav, what about you? What was your thoughts in the game and, and, and main talking points for you that came out of it? Well, it's kind of what we've come to expect, I think, from Celtic these days. You know, we win 4-0, we miss a hat full of chances, we're never in danger. As you know, it's, I, I can't remember a time where you feel so confident going into every game. Now, we'll come on to whether that's true for the next game coming up, but, uh, you know, I was certain this would happen in the Aberdeen game. And uh, like Rio Hatate, obviously, is the man who's stealing all the headlines, you know. And uh, you know the way they play that Duran Duran song when he scores? Uh, there's a line in that that goes something like, and when he shines, he really shows you all he can, if I change the pronouns. And that's kind of indicates to me, like that was a great little cameo of his skill set. You know, he quickly closes down to get stuck in and win the ball back. Quick two-feet shuffle to keep possession. Does the unexpected with a little nutmeg pass and then he follows up and makes his own luck when the ball breaks to him and then he rifles it into the corner so a little bit of everything there in those few seconds and that was the highlight of the game for me you know that was edge of the seat stuff that's the reason you watch football for moments like that yeah his second goal in particular was a was a thing of great beauty he's he's footwork and he even managed to make one of the one of the Aberdeen players, and then ran through, took the ball back and scored. I mean, that was, you go a long way before you see a better team goal than that. There was a lot a few other players involved in it as well, but, but Hitati was just, just outstanding. Um, so, Willie, what about you? Did you did you catch the game, and, and what did you think? I thought Shelley were phenomenal in that first half. I thought we were just cutting through Aberdeen at will, and we did miss a half. We should have been six or seven at the halftime, in my opinion. I thought we were just all over them. From the second McGregor slotted in in the second minute, it's just like, here we go. We're up for this today. And it was a joy to watch. Like, And even in the second half when Aberdeen, Aberdeen went to a back five, just really shut up shop. Celtic are still moving the ball around quite quite good and they just kept probing and kept poking away till they found an opening. And like you say, Rio's second was just an absolute thing of beauty. Like, you know what I mean? He, he, he just gets away from his guy at the byline, gets the ball into an area, and next you see is him motoring in the box behind the ball, and ready to take it up and pop it in the net. It was just, aye. I thought it was a great performance from us. Like, really did. Like, run out of the, As for Rio Hotati himself, man, he just seemed to run out of superlatives. He just seems to get better and better. And this last season, he seemed to tail off a little bit towards this sort of time. But now he just seems to be getting stronger and stronger as the season goes on. It just, I uh, hopefully that'll keep going next weekend as well. Like so, it's just I like I say, you just gotta just sit back and enjoy it while he's there. Like because that that's the kind of form that's going to see him move to the English Premier League. So hopefully not next season, but it certainly looks that way, doesn't it? Like 
It's just getting better. Yeah, I wish I, I wish people would stop putting together these highlights <laughs> videos on Twitter. It's not, it's not helping yeah. our case. Um, so, no. yeah, if you're doing that anyway, you know anyone that's responsible for that, just tell me. Right. In fact, sc- scratch, scratch, scratch that last sentence of mine. Real tie, he's not that great. Like, don't, don't come he's up terrible. He's, he's a terrible, terrible player. player. Terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, this, time, this time last year, there was a, an article uh, attributed to him in, in, a, in a magazine where he talked about being tired. And being you know emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted, and that's kind of why his form tailed off towards the end of the season. Uh, and when you consider he's only really been playing professional football for four years, um, even though he's twenty five, so he's not a young player as such. Um, but that's probably why he found the, the 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 going a bit tough last year. But he's obviously had a full pre season under his belt now, and he's he, he's gone from strength to strength. And yeah. He's a, He's a, he's, a, he's a wonderful player to watch and he's, he's worth the admission money alone. Um, what about um, the sort of two couple of moments that Joe Hart had at the back where, um, you know, the one came from a bad pass back from Carol Stahlfeld um, and it, all, it landed at the feet of Johnny Hayes and, and fortunately it was Johnny Hayes and not somebody who was half decent at football or we might have been in a bit of bother. Um, is that a bit of a concern that, that we asked, we have seen a couple of these things creeping in? It is possibly a concern, but then again, you're in a game like that where it's the, probably the only chance Aberdeen had for the whole game. And he's just he's got away with one, like you know. I mean, you'll probably get away with one most games he's in. Like, is it a concern going forward? Yeah, I would say it is. Like, I mean, if we're wanting to play fast attacking football out from the back, we need to be able to move that ball quite quickly and. Sometimes when you watch passbacks between Starfield and Joe Hart, you, you get nervous. You just sit, you will, you all see it yourself. You just say, "Oh, here we go. Hang on, is this going to be?" And then it, nine times out of ten, it's all right. Like you know what I mean. But then every now and again, you get an instance like that where you're just like, "Oh no!" If that's a bigger game, if that's a European game, you've seen it with the Leipzig game. It cost us a goal. Like so, is it something we need to look at? Possibly. I mean, Joe Hart is a good goalkeeper. He's a great shot stopper, right? And. He's a good presence in the box. It's a big difference to what we had to bark us before that. So you can't really say he's not done well for us because he has. But there is instances like that when instances like that when it happens, you sort of sit there and think to yourself, "Hang on a second, here." Right? I'm not. Carol, like, I'm Carol. not saying we. Sorry, on you go. Yeah. So what about Carol? Carol Starfelt. Um, I feel as if he's got a mistake in him. Um, and it's almost like one a game. Um, you see, you know, he's gave away a couple of penalties recently just by being caught by a by a, a, a forward coming on his blind side. Um, and is that a concern moving forward? And should we be looking to maybe try um, Kobayashi in there at some point? Yeah, well, for my money, if you were to pick two players that are likely to give you a moment of heart attack, Hart and Starfelt are the two. And uh, Starfield really divides opinion, you know. Half the people think he's greatest thing since sliced bread, and the other think he's a bomb scare. And uh, I reckon there's a bit of both. You know, he's an excellent defender, and he does lots of things very, very well. And in a team that didn't play Angeball, he could be absolutely rock solid. But he does feel the pressure. Sometimes when he's on the ball, you know, you can see when... There's any element of pressure, he's likely to lose it, and he's and when you compare him to CCV, I mean that's unfair, really, on any defender because he's flawless. But uh, 
Yeah, it all depends on how Kobayashi develops. You know, but whenever he was signed, I got the feeling that Starfield's days were numbered. Yeah, um, I think I think you may be onto something there. Um, I do feel as if that a lot of teams now are letting Starfield have the ball and pressing McGregor and CCV high up the park because they know that you know if there is a, a misplaced pass coming, pass coming, that's where it's likely going to be from. So, what about yourself, Mark? Um, any concerns about Starfield, particularly heading into the weekend? Well, that I think Hart was really unfortunate because that pass from Starfield was shocking, uh, but. Yeah. Hart, Hart was kind of caught in two minds. He didn't expect to pass. He probably could have done with it better. And we're probably lucky it went on uh, Johnny Hayes' right foot. If that was on his left foot, he'd have probably tried to ping it. Uh, but he played a terrible pass and it came to nothing. Uh, Starfield, good enough player. There's a mistake in there. But I, I still think that Kobayashi is probably going to be there or thereabouts, first team next season. I think they'll just try to let him bed in, get him settled. Uh, the same way they've done with another, uh, a couple of other players, and hopefully, hopefully it comes good. But f- what, from what I've seen, I've not seen much of Kobayashi, but it looks pretty composed. Uh, I think I think there's definitely a player in there, and it will be, if anything, it's a good good competition for Starfield. To it doesn't always guarantee to play every week, so yeah. Yeah, so we've got um, we've got Andrew Reid there in the comments said Starfelt on the left is not comfortable, but is a, is a decent defender, and I, I think that probably sums it up. He's he's not a lot, he's not a left sided defender, uh, and if he was playing on the right side, I think he'd be a lot more comfortable. But he's not going to get a game there because you know CCV is levels above. Um, and Andrew also says great chat, lads. Love hearing in the background and remembering the old games you were at. Hatati was outstanding at the weekend, and he certainly was that. Um, so, any anyone get anything else to add about the weekend game? No, all good. No, all right, really, I, th- I think the guys to... on the Monday crew doing an excellent job of it. Yeah, absolutely, they do. They do a fantastic Sorry, I'm analysis of the game. Yeah, you're all right, mate. Um, so, yeah, let, let's move on to the, the the game on Sunday, which is the Via Play Cup final. Um, against the, the bad guys. Um, does anybody actually know what Via Play is, by the way? No idea. No. Is betting, is it? Did play betting or what? I don't know. I've got no idea. I remember it used to be the Skull Cup many, many years ago. Uh, Online, just, I just Googled it. Streaming service, yeah. All right, so that's a streaming service. Okay, well, there you go. We learn something new every day. Um, so before we talk about that game, um, I want to talk a little bit about the, the banner unfurled by the Rangers fans at Livingston. Um, or there was actually two banners. What One was about Nicholas Sturgeon. Uh, and we'll just let that one slide because, you know, whatever we say uh, after the Douglas Ross banner the week before, they're always just going to take the opposite view and that's what they do, so they can, you know, fill their boots with that one. But this particular banner that they unveiled said, um, two trophies in 11 years uphold the standards that matter. Um, now, I think uh, there's a little bit to unpack in that banner, uh, and a couple of things I'd like to talk about. Now, the first thing is, why 11 years? Is this put them finally coming to the realisation that their club's 11 years old? 
Because if it wasn't, then why mention 11 years? So I think they maybe caught themselves out a bit there. And the other thing that was upholding the standards that matter. Now, surely that, this was referring to an incident the week before, in case anybody hasn't seen it, where Rangers were playing Partick Thistle uh, in the Cup. Um, Thistle played the ball out to allow a Rangers player, Marek Tillman, to receive treatment. But once they took the throw in, Tillman pressed the ball, won it off them and ran through and scored. Now, the Rangers manager then instructed the Rangers team to allow Thistle to score an uncontested goal, to just run up the park and score, basically. Although Alan McGregor did his best to stop them. You know, he just couldn't help himself. Um, Then after the game, Bill was blethering about upholding standards. Now, if he really was concerned about standards, surely he would have done something about Tillman, like either subbed him off or dropped him for a game, or, or spoke out against him, but he didn't. Um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't mind getting your guys' views on, on what they were on about with that banner. So, Mark, what did you think? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, to be honest, but most of their banners, uh, it's actually five trophies of one. So obviously they're not counting the, uh, the freeze one in the Lord. Yeah, it's uh, 11 years, so obviously, they're, yeah, yeah, I, I, as most things that come from Ibrox and most of the statements, I just don't understand it. To me, it doesn't make sense at all, yeah. it's quite, and it's quite laughable. Yeah, it's laughable, mate. Two two trophies, yeah, as you say. They're, they're obviously not counting the Petrofact Cup, which was, um, you know, I, thought, I don't know why you wouldn't count that. It's a very, it's a very prestigious tournament. Uh, I thought it was fifty-five league titles, so you know what I mean. Is it not? Yeah, that's all right. I mean, 50, 55 league titles in eleven years. That's that's something. What did you think, Gav? Well, I think. Uh... I think, to be fair to Michael Beale, he did the right thing in that game. But if he just left it at that, that would have been fine. And just said it was the right thing to do and we did it. But the fact that he harping on about, you know, the standards that he's got to uphold at this football club and all the rest of it. You know, he can't stop himself being a motor mouse. So he goes on about that in one breath. And then in the next breath, he's in a slanging match with Chris Sutton about his playing career. Because that's the kind of standard of behaviour that's expected of a manager. So, you know, I think he's been a bit hypocritical there. And I suspect there's a fair proportion of the Rangers fans who are either secretly or whispering to each other that McBeal's a bit of a pain in the neck, you know, the way he goes on. And they might tire of him quite soon. Yeah. Like, I think the whole... um... Uh, upholding standards thing it, it, it stinks a bit of brown brogues doesn't it and um, the, the sort of all this stuff about turning up to training in suits and you know that, that, that sort of stuff just sums them up to be honest and it's it's just it's just mental and I think you're right yeah he's played at the gallery uh, to be fair to him he's won he's won every game since he since he took over sorry he drew one uh, and won the rest so he's um, he, he certainly he certainly helped him Instead of the ship a little bit, but yeah, God, he's a pain in the ass. And um, yeah, the, the Chris Sutton just wiped the floor with him. You know, he's 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 out he's fighting out his weight division if he takes on Chris Sutton. Surely ever going to be one winner or not? Absolutely, yeah. it's going to be Chris Sutton. 
Is it true that Chris Sutton's going to be interviewing him after the game? Or is that just a, another bit of a wind-up? Yeah, look, I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I think Hopefully. that's probably a wind-up. I've seen. I've actually been sent that as well. I think that Chris Sutton is going to be interviewing the managers after the game or before the game, like so. It would be interesting to see, like certainly. Would, yeah, but. I mean, it's possible. I mean, Chris Sutton's banned from Ibrox still, um, mm. or he was advised not to go to Ibrox for his own safety. So, yeah, but this this game's at Hamden, so I suppose it's possible. That that would be funny. It definitely would. Yeah. So yeah. Let, so let's talk a little bit about the game. Um, so. Both teams going into the game uh, on a good run of form. Um, obviously, the last time we played them was a two-all draw um, at, at, at Castle Grayskull earlier on in the year. Um, I don't think Celtic played that well uh, that day. Um, and the time, you know, the last time we played them in the cup was um, we lost the cup semi-final to them last year, and and we really that was a game where Celtic looked very fatigued uh, and just ran out of steam. Um, so. I think my own view is if Celtic turn up on the day and play to the to the best of our abilities and, and get it right on get it right in terms of formation and, and personnel, I think we will beat them. Uh, but it's going to be a very a very very tough game, and it will probably be pretty close. So, Wally, I'll get your thoughts first. What, what are you thinking about the game, and uh, what's your predictions? I'm uh, like you. I think it's going to be a pretty close game, mate. Um, I don't. No hot state the pitch is in the semi-finals. The pitch was ramp rotten, right? And it's not conducive. Yeah, I think it's still a farmer's field. I don't think it's going to be any. Is better. it? Yeah, that might give them a little bit of added incentive because they can probably play their kind of football on that pitch where it's not good for us. Right? You know what I mean? If you can't get the ball on the deck and pass it around freely, that's not great for us. But I, I think if we turn up and play the way we have been playing the last few weeks, then I think we have enough. To see them off, fight. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it could go to extra time too, if I'm honest. But I think we will have just enough to edge it. Um, my biggest concern for the whole game is the referees more than anything else. I just have no confidence in Scottish referees at all anymore. None. It's all gone. It's completely done. And Vars has come in and proved it completely that they are so hopeless. It's unbelievable. Like, I don't even think there's bias there. I think it's just complete ineptitude. So it all depends. There's a lot of factors in there that could go against us. But like I say, if we turn up, then I think we'll be having enough to, to see them off it. So, yeah, I think I think the key question is what time the penalty is going to be for Rangers. Mm. So that's that's going to be the, the most important question of the game. So, yeah. So, so Mark, um, in terms of uh, team selection, what you what you're looking for? Do you think there's going to be any surprises from Celtic, or do you think they line up as we expect? I I don't know. I'd, I'd maybe fancy sticking a bad down on the right hand side. He always gives Rangers trouble. Uh, it may, may be something that they're not prepared like they're they're not prepared for. Uh, but yeah, if, if I was, I'm thinking maybe Johnson, Vickers, Starfield, Taylor, Abada, McGregor, possibly Moy. Uh, Maeda, Hitati, and Jota. Uh, but there's a few there's a few players in there that were, were, were that rich in resources that it, it could be one or two players, and you'd know they come in and still do a job. Uh, I think Moy's probably done enough over the last five or six games to to be in with a shout for a start. Uh, but yeah, I'd have him beside McGregor in the middle of the park. 
So you'd have um, so Gav, you, would you have she would have Moy in front of um, in front of O'Reilly, or would you, would that be the same? Put O'Reilly in there just for his energy, maybe. Uh, personally, I'd have Moy in in front of O'Reilly. I think O'Reilly's a player of incredible potential. Uh, but I mean, Aaron Moy was playing at such a high level before, you know, he was edged aside there for O'Reilly to come in, and you have to ask. You know, did O'Reilly hit the heights when he was in the first team? He's been getting all these minutes. And, you know, like I say, he's a great player and all, but to me, he's not hes not the kind of player who really imposes himself on a game the way Aaron Moy does and the way Hatati now does. You know, he does tend to drift in and out. That's a bit frustrating for me. So I'd go with Moy coming back in for this game. Yeah, OK. And... Y- has there been any word on whether Moy's fit or not, though? Because he did limp off against St Mirren last week. Yeah, I've heard he's fit. Okay. In fact, so I've heard it's fit. like pretty much a full squad. Like, So yeah. to my mind, you know, Celtic couldn't be in any better position to go into this game. There's every reason to be supremely confident. Yeah. It's against Rangers, so, you know, sometimes that confidence is... Maybe not that well placed. I mean, if Celtic do everything they've been doing in the past, in the recent past, you know, we could walk this game. But will they show up? Will they get into their rhythm? That's just a big question. Yeah, I think, um, well, certainly I'm scarred enough from the 1990s that um, I never take any game against Rangers for granted. Um, It's always, I'm equal parts confident and nervous at the same time. Um, As you say, I think we should win the game. Um, should be good enough to win the game, but but you know there's so many things can happen, um, not least the referee. And I think um, Willie, I think you've been quite generous to the refs here, saying that it's not bias. Um, I think there's a, there's definitely a decent argument to be had on that one, but but we'll make, leave that one for now. But certainly, certainly the VAR referee this weekend yeah. is definitely one that you just don't trust in any way, shape, or form, right? And Nick Walsh is another one. I mean, Nick Walsh is the bar referee when Bernabe, Bernabe was given the penalty against him for the handball. Just uh, yeah. Well, and this is the guy who's getting the cup final. So uh, I don't. Nah, know. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. The, the the you know having these guys involved when they've made so many mistakes and then you know the bar. It's been a disaster up to now. You know they've they've um, the the rolling out of it. I don't know whether it's a question of the technology is just not there yet or not. Um, or whether it's just the guys operating it are, are useless, but there's definitely there's, there's got to be some sort of some sort of change. I, I'm all in favour of um, making the referees full time. Um, I think the fact well, got part time guys like Dougie Ross running the line and yeah. going away to the Scottish Parliament in his um, in his afternoon job. You know, I don't think that's yeah. that's right. If you look at Australian sports here, all the refs are all full time uh, and they're all fully held accountable for their for their performances. Um, so I think until we until we get to that point, then um, then we're still going to see these issues week after week. Yeah. If if you're going to make the referees full time, then you need to outsource it to you need to go to Finland and say all oh, your referees are part time. Let's take your top ref over here and give him a full time job and just sack the lot of them in Scotland because they're just terrible. You know, I mean, Ireland League of Ireland, go and see them. See the Australia as well. Offer one of them guys over, come on referee in Scotland. 
give him a bit more money. Yeah, I'd be, um, I'd be in favour of bringing Irish referees over. I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> I can't, that, I don't, that would not go well. well. <laughs> Wouldn't go down too well with an amateur referee. The best referee in Dublin over to referee the, the weekend game. I'm, I'm up for that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, score predictions. I'll put you on the spot, Gav. Oh, well, kind of like what I said earlier, I think it's either going to be Celtic walk it and we're all celebrating and it puts the full extent of the Sevco delusion out in the open and we win 3-0 or we don't show up. It's a bit of a grind. It ends up on penalties. So you want me to go for one of those two? Yeah, just... But- I'll, I'll go for the anyone, former. Anyone will do, mate. It's only a bit of fun. <laughs> I'll go for the former. 3 0. 3 0 Celtic. Glory right. days. All right. And Mark, what do you think? Yeah, well, if, it's, all, it's all down to how we start the game. If we get an early goal and we get it settled, I think I'll take the nerves off and I think it would be something like 3 0. Uh, but that includes Hart saving a penalty, which. Uh, I'm sure they will. So if we get an early goal, game three 0 But the longer the game goes on, it will just be really, really tight, and it'll be last ten minutes. Will be a, a decider either way. Hopefully, hopefully for us. Okay, yourself, Willie. What do you think? I think it'll be two one. I think it's going to be a close game, mate. So I'm going to say two one. Okay, so I'm going to go two 0 uh, and I'm going to say it's going to be goals from Kyogo uh, and I'm going to say Aaron Moy is going to play and he's going to weigh in with a goal and, and we're going to walk away with the with the, with the chocolates um, so a few comments here I'll just read out uh, Michael Ross says hail hail from sunny Scotland and uh, so hail hail to you too Michael thanks for tuning in uh, Martin Rogers says we can play against more than 11 men so yeah we might have to uh, Michael again says he thinks Moy will play and Moy had a wee knock but I think he will be straight back in yeah. so most people are thinking Moy will be in and, and O'Reilly will drop back down to the bench uh, Andrew Reid thinks uh, he doesn't see a bad a starting uh, and he only thinks the only choice to be made is either Moy or O'Reilly so so it's Moy who, who's going to get the nod uh, Martin Rogers then again says yep it's a conspiracy I think you're right there Martin absolutely uh, Peter Calero, I think. Why were there no Scottish refs at the World Cup? Um, I think the answer to that is because they're all shite, as Willie pointed out. <laughs> I think, yeah, we can we can draw a line straight under that one. Uh, Andrew Reid's agreeing with you, Willie. Uh, I think in your comments about the refs. Um, and Northampton Tim says, since we've come back from the World Cup, we haven't stopped. So that's to to, to coin a good uh, Ange Postecoglou phrase there. So. Um, so yeah thanks for all those comments um, so we'll jump into our last section here uh, probably got about 10 minutes left so we'll probably keep it pretty brief uh, we've got a section called Sticker Twist where we've got um, a couple of players who I think are probably Celtic got a decision to make between now and the summer about whether we're going to keep them or uh, or whether we're going to move them on uh, and the first one we'll probably talk about is uh, David Turnbull um, so David Turnbull struggled for um, Struggle for starts this year. Uh, got a start a couple of weeks ago against St Mirren and was really very poor. Um, he's 23 now, David Turnbull, and he, he's played 76 times for the club. He was Angie's go-to man when he first arrived. 
are, um, but since since the squad's been really strengthened, he, he struggled for starts, um, and he's contracted until 2024, so he'll be coming into his last year uh, after this season. So what are we doing with, with David Turnbull, and do we see a future for him at Celtic? Uh, I put that one to you, Mark. Unfortunately for Turnbull, I think the competition's too strong for him in that area. If, if he's happy to see it the last year, of his contract come off the bench for the last 20 minutes, maybe scoring the goal, uh, just to see out the game. He's been doing a bit of that recently. I'd be happy for him to stay, but it's I think it's probably up to him. Uh, but long term, I don't see him. I don't. I don't see him having the quality to to be a, a, a first team regular uh, moving forward. I think there's just too much competition uh, in in that area. And player has O'Reilly's come on. Come on to good form. Moyes come on to good. Form it's just he's he's fallen down the pecking order, so but yeah, uh, I'm happy for him to stay, see out his contract if he wants because I don't get too much money for him. Uh, but he's a hand enough player for the last 20 when you try to see out a game. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the key, isn't it? How much money would you get for him? Um, with a year to go on his contract, you're probably looking at moving up to a championship club in England at the, at the highest level he would possibly get now. Um, and you know, the money wouldn't be fantastic, so I don't think there's much financial incentive there um, for, for us moving on uh, Turnbull. Uh, but what about you, Gav? How do you see David Turnbull, uh, Celtic future? Well, as Mark says, I think the writing's on the wall for him, really. But, uh, I mean, we have to keep some Scottish players, you know, for the, for the European regulations. So, uh, yeah, yeah that's, a a, that's a very good point, Gav. A very good point. We do need... Um, we do need, as Michael Rossi just mentioned in the comments, we, we do need a, a homegrown quota for European competition. Yeah, so if he goes, are we going to look to bring in other Scottish players? Are we going to sign some Scottish players? Or, mm. or what's the story? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I guess, I guess you're, you're certainly looking for players moving up from the B team if there's any if well, there's there. That. You know, that's who you'd be wanting to fill your bench with. But whether there's, mm. there's any of, the, of sufficient quality or not... Um, that seems to be a bit debatable. So, what about you, Willie? How do you see David Turnbull's future? Um, it's a hard one. Like, he's a good player. He's a decent player. But I was advocating him in the group charts the other week that uh, he's a good player. We should keep him around. And then he gets his chance and he, he fluffs his lines big time. And it's just like, oh, all that, all that nice words I said about you. And you've just you've wasted your opportunity here. But if he's happy enough to stay around as a squad player, I would keep him, mate. But in that instance, he's going to have to know that of the three men in midfield, there's we've got that's going to play each week. He's probably going to be fourth, fifth choice. So is he going to be happy to stay around for that? Like, you know what I mean? He's twenty three. He could say that I'll sign a new two or three year deal and I'll just um, I'll just clip my ticket and keep going here. Like he's handy to come off the bench once teams are stretched and tired. He he can he can like Mark says he can get a goal. But for him, if I was David Turnbull, I'd be looking to move on. Like I would just say, look, I need first team football. If I have any aspirations to be a Scotland star, then possibly I would need to move on. Like, but I'm sort of torn on it. I, I mean, if he goes, he goes. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too. I wouldn't harbour any ill will against him if he does go. If he stays, then happy days. Like you know what I mean. As long as he's willing to take his chances when they come along, unlike he did the other week, then yeah, I'd be happy for him to stay. It's, uh, it's 50-50 for me, like. Yeah, my, my issue with Turnbull is he, he, 
I, I don't see big improvement in him since he arrived at the club. I think the same sort of limitations he had uh, when he arrived are still evident today. Um, he, he's quite slow to make a decision. Um, he's very one-footed. He's not really quick enough to, in his decision-making process to, to, to make up for that. So I, I, I agree. I think his time is almost up at Celtic. But again, the question is, you know, how much do you get from him if you move him on? Um, Peter Calero in the comments says, to be fair to Turnbull, he has scored a few times coming off the bench. So he has contributed. And that is very true. He, he is good for a goal um, off the bench, uh, certainly from outside the box. Um, and, and, you, and you can't take that away from him. Um, so um, so for David, I think, you know, it might be time for him to look at, look at a move to another club. Um, OK, we'll move on quickly just to one other guy who struggled for game time this year, and that's... Uh, Alessandro Bernabé, a guy we signed only in the summer. And um, he's 22 years old. He's only played nine times this year. And he's he's got a long contract, so he's out. Of, he's not out of contract until 2027. Um, he struggled for game time this year, primarily due to the form of Greg Taylor. But I have noticed in recent weeks he's disappeared out of the squad altogether. Um, so are we concerned about Bernabé and are we looking for a new left back in the summer? I'll go to you, Mark, first. Uh, I don't know. There's, there is potential there for Argentina under 23s. Uh, when he did come in, he seemed he seemed all right, but I think you, you need a run of games if you're going to be playing left back. You've seen how Taylor came in and he was kind of a bit lost, and now he looks, he's, he's come up to, it took him a while to uh, get into the swing of things, and he's probably one of our best players now. It's 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 a tough one. You need to try and get some game time, or try and prove in training that he's, he's worthy of a shot, or you might need to hope for Taylor, maybe go out for a couple of games injured to prove what he's got. But I, would, I, I wouldn't be too concerned at the moment. I'd be, I'd be keeping him around. And, uh, and seeing seeing where he where he is in the next year, but it's concerning that he's, he's not on the bench. I don't know if he's injured or or what, but I think there's there's potential of a good player in there. Yeah, I don't think he's injured. I think he's just been left out of the squad. And whether that's just a sort of tactical thing by the manager to get some more midfield players or strikers on the bench, I'm not sure. But it is a bit of a concern for me. Willie, what do you think? Um, with with Bernabe, um I think it's his defensive duties that lets him down. I think going forward, he's a great player. Like he, he watch him when he goes does get a game. He'll get forward. He'll get some good crosses into the box. Yeah. He'll get into dangerous areas, not. But when it's time to get back to defence, he's nowhere to be seen. I flew over from to Sydney from here to watch a game, and the game against Sydney, like like I say, going forward, great. But every time Sydney went up the park, it's like, well, that's them moving into the left channel. Where is our left back? Like, and he was halfway up the pitch, something on his way back. So. I think he's young enough, certainly is, age is on his side, so are they working on his defensive duties at the moment in the background? Hopefully, right, because if he can if he can sort of screw, screw the nut on that, then yeah, there could be a future for him at Celtic, like, but like I say, it's, defensively he's, he's found wanting a lot of times, like, so. Yeah, it concerns me he gets done by, the, by his opposite wigger far too easily for me. Um, even against some pretty poor teams, you know the wingers are, are going past them with far too much ease. Um, Gav, what's your what's your view of Bernabe? Well, the same as has been said, really, it's hard for us to have really informed opinions on him without 
enough minutes to go on. But uh, from what we've seen, I agree with what everyone's saying. Maybe he's just one of these players that needs more time to learn the ropes, you know, more time in training, working with the coaches. And I think that's kind of where we're at with him. You don't hear too much negativity coming out about him from the club or anything. I think they think he just needs more time. Yeah, I think it's, it's worth mentioning he is only 22, but also the flip side of that is that um, Odson Edward and um, was younger than that when he was, you know, proving himself to be a Huntswell here and he was taking goals off, off Rangers left, right and centre. Um, so age, you know, he's 22, he's not young, young, but he's, he's probably young enough to give him a, a little bit of leeway. Um, and Moussa Dembele as well was also younger than that when he was he was banging the goals in here. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a reasonable excuse, but I think maybe we will be looking to, to sign another left-back in the summer. Because I don't think at the moment the, the, team, the club would be very comfortable if Greg Taylor was out injured for an um, extended period of time. Uh, but certainly, bearing the eyes on a long contract, I doubt if he's going anywhere anytime soon. So the last one on the list we we're going to talk about is uh, Mikey Johnson. Now, Mikey Johnson, um, 23 years old. Um, he's currently on loan at Vitoria Guimaraes in Portugal, uh, where he's made 13 appearances this season. Um, struggled. Uh, he struggled under a, a number of different coaches here to to get regular game time. He wasn't helped by injury. Uh, he also wasn't helped by Neil Lennon um, tearing strips off him on the way off the pitch uh, against St. Johnson when he was being substituted a couple of years back. Um, pretty poor that, in my opinion, for a manager to treat a young a young player like that. But he does seem to have been um, unfortunate with injuries, uh, and he's now on loan. Uh, now, Celtic did extend his contract by a year before he went on loan, so he, he's not out of contract till 2026. Um, so he, he will be back in the summer. Um, so what are we doing with Mikey Johnson? Are we giving him another chance or are we trying to move him on? Uh, Willie, I'll, I'll get your take first. I think it's time to move Mikey Johnson on. I think they only extended his deal just in case he was a smash over at Gamer Edge and they wanted to pay a bit of money for him. Um He's a great player. He's talented. There's no, there's no denying that. But he's, I think, with the emergence of Rocco Vatan in that wide areas too. I think his game time. We've already got Jota, Maeda, um, Abada, Forrest, Rocco Vata coming through. I think he's going to find very, very, very hard to get any sort of game time at Celtic. So I think for himself, the best thing he could do is move on and get him um, get game time. I mean, he'd be a great player. Maybe in the Championship in England or in the Scottish Premier League, go to Hibs or someone like that. But I think it's time, Carlos. Not Carlos. It's just time to get, let him go, like you know, and let him free to do try and progress his own career. Yeah, sometimes a, a change a, a change a club can be could do wonders for a player. Um, I think Mikey Johnson. I definitely think there's a player there, uh, but it just hasn't worked for him at Celtic. Yeah. What What do you think, Gav? Well, what you just said. I saw an interview there with a an expert in Portuguese football who said, you can see there's a player in there. And I think everybody agrees there is a player in there. And it's up to him to go to a place where that player can come out. And I can't say it being Celtic with all the competition, basically. Yeah, okay. And Mark, do you think um, Mikey Johnson's going to come back and tear it up at Celtic or is he, or is he off the pass just new?
at competing for a place. I'd like to give him the summer to give him a chance. Uh, I felt he was unlucky with injury. And he also got kind of put in the deep end a couple of times where he's playing up front at Ibrox himself. I uh, don't know if you remember that. But uh, but yeah, I think there's a, there's definitely a player in there. Uh, but probably move him up. Probably will, he probably will move on. But I'd like to give him the summer to give him a chance to, to see where he's at and uh, if that's what he wants to do. But he might have already made his decision that he's moving elsewhere. But yeah, give, give him the summer, give him a chance and then see where he's at. Yeah, and uh, Ange did say when he went before he went out and loan that he did see a player in Mikey, um, and whether or not that was just Ange being Ange to give him, uh, you know, a bit of a pat on the back before he went his loan, uh, I'm not too sure. Um, Michael Ross in the comments just says, uh, sadly, MJ just isn't good enough for Celtic. Um, Andrew Reid says, there's something about Mikey that I want to see succeed at Celtic, but time is running out, and, and I think that's that, that sums it up for me. You know, a guy who's come through the youth system, through the academy, you always want to see them uh, making it at the club, but, you know, time has to be running out for them. Um, Jared says, if Bernie buys to leave, who do you replace him with? I'd look at Jordy Boss at Melbourne City. Could be a decent backup for Taylor. Now, I'm going to show my ignorance of the A-League and say I don't know who Jordy Boss is, but uh, has anybody got any, any comment on him? No, but I think it's definitely a market we should be looking at more. Uh, there's obviously the connection with Beaver down here uh, in Sydney. that Everyone knows about Ange and Celtic. I think we should be looking at the A-League more for more players. We're, we're obviously dipped into the Japanese market and we're doing really well. But there's, there's definitely players here that could compete at Celtic. Yeah, I was um, I was down at the Sydney Derby um, last weekend and um, I was watching closely Philip Neuvenhoff of the Western Sydney Wanderers, who was linked with a move to Celtic. In fact, there was a rumour went around that we'd actually signed him and loaned him back to the Wanderers for, for the rest of the year, which turned out not to be true. But he looked a player. He looked a really good player. Um, it's somebody probably we should be keeping a close eye on. I think you're right, Mark. It's definitely a market we, we should be looking at, for sure, because you know we've showed we're willing to go places where other clubs aren't looking for value. Uh, and I certainly think we'll, we'll find it here. Yeah, the other worry is that some big club comes in with an offer for Greg Taylor. That would put the cat among the pigeons. See, there you go again, Gav. Please stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to bid for Taylor. He's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think, I think, I think, I think that's a reasonable concern. Um, as in, you know, obviously, it's something we have to we have to accept our place in the, in the football food chain and understand it. But you know the EPL teams are going to come sniffing for our players and it's going to be hard to turn down for them and for us. Um, so, yeah, well, it's something we just have to deal with, I guess. So, I think we're in a good position, though, with it all. Are we on, not? The way Ange operates the transfer system, we're in a good position. If somebody is going to go, he will probably have somebody in line to come in and replace them. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's the model, mate. That's that's what we have yeah. to do. That's how we have to achieve success, and we just have to try and perfect the model, buying out of yeah. emerging markets and, and selling at a, a big profit, and, you know, and, and moving on from there. Yeah. All right, so we've just ticked over the hour, so um, we'll probably wind it up there. Um, so I'll probably just go around and ask for you just for some final thoughts um, about what you're looking forward to for the rest of the week, or, or anything to add. So, Gav, I'll start with you. 
Well, my final thought is obviously the days are counting down to the big game. And we might be on the brink of absolute glory. You know, if this game goes our way, we'll put them to the sword. You know, we're looking at two trophies in the bag, pretty much. And happy days. So sometimes, you know, you're nervous about things because the outcome could be bad. But other times you're nervous because the potential outcome could be so good if everything goes well. And that's sort of where I'm at. You know, the the prize is so big this week that I'm very much looking forward to it and dreading it in equal measure. Yeah, I know the feeling. That's pretty much how I feel. And Mark, final thoughts from yourself? Yeah, looking forward to tomorrow night's pod, uh, the preview for the weekend. Looking forward to the weekend's game. I think it's got potential to be a really good game. Uh, but I just hope that the Monday's pod aren't talking about VAR and refs. Uh, and we're, we're actually talking about how good the game was because uh, it's it, it has the potential to be a great game, you know, and another trophy in the bag. And it'll maybe, it'll maybe quieten down that manager that's got a lot to say uh, over at Ibrox. So I might, might calm him down a bit because, yeah, he's been running his mouth for quite a while. Yeah, I hope the Monday the Monday review is talking about a Kyogo hat trick, but um, yeah, we live in hope. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Willie? Final thoughts? Um, I'll just take the final thoughts to say well done to all the volunteer workers in New Zealand Defence Force. All the communities are mucking and helping each other out here in a time of crisis. So well done to you all. Fair play. Yeah, I think, I think we'll all second that, Willie. Um, so yeah, my final thoughts are... Um, I don't know if any if anyone likes rugby league, but the rugby league season just about to start. Um, if you if you fancy a rugby league podcast, uh, go and check out one called the the, tra- the tragic rugby league report. Um, it's an excellent podcast, and I do have some skin in that game because my son hosts a podcast. Um, so and he's also a massive Celtic fan. So if you're a rugby league fan and a Celtic fan, go and check out the tragic rugby league report. Um, so yeah that was a lot of fun I had a great time tonight and I'm looking forward to doing it again next week um, so thanks for everyone for tuning in thanks for all who commented uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on the YouTube channel and hit the notification bell and like and subscribe on on the, the channel you get your podcasts and even if you just tell your mates how much you like the show then every little bit helps so hail hail and we'll see you next week Hail, hail. Hail, hail.